Well, welcome to church here today. Hopefully you guys are doing well. You guys may be seated in the Casa de la Raza. The Casa de la Raza. I don't know what Rasa means, but it goes with the rhyme. It just goes with the flow. Casa de la Raza. You say Casa de la Raza, it's House of Rivers, I think is what I had to look it up. Because I started saying it, you know, I'm a little bit of like a rhythm guy in words and how it all kind of flows. They completely missed the X mark on that one. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I'm going to try to move it up here today. I'm going to put it right here. There we go. Um, the Casa de la Raza. So I say it, and uh, obviously my, my girls, if you know, if you've been around here for a while, they are in Spanish immersion, so they go every single day. And as soon as I drop them off, all they hear is Spanish all day long. So they're proficient, in, uh, and uh, hopefully they're going to be bilingual. That's my hope. But right now, uh, as a child, their brains are forming and fashioning, and they're learning. Uh, they're, they're figuring out neuropaths right now, and your child is doing that. Uh, so my hope is that, man, I got them in Spanish immersion. They hear English at home, Spanish at school, and man, that processing is going on. So they're going to process about five times faster than anybody else that's not bilingual. That's my hope. So they have an advantage on everybody. That's all. I'm just trying to be strategic that they have an advantage on anybody in life. Uh, you know, we're talking about wisdom. Come on. You got to be smart. Got to be knowledgeable. Uh, I'm trying to raise my kids right in the fear of the Lord and uh, in the knowledge of life so that they will excel in, in every sphere of life. Now, uh, I, I say that all to say that, man, when we're going to school, I was just like, Casa de la raza. Casa de la raza. I just like saying, I don't know, I just do stuff, weird stuff like that. And so many of you wouldn't be my friend because you're like, he's too weird. Um, but Ellis got into it. She's like, Casa de la Raza. I'm like, yeah, I'm making it. Um, so I didn't know what it meant. I'm like, uh, what does Rasa mean, Ellis? She could not tell me. Uh, so I had to look it up. So Casa de la Raza, R-O-S, is House of Rivers. I thought that was pretty cool. But Rasa, somebody, does anybody know what Rasa means? Rasa. Ooh, I'm going to have to look that one up later just to make sure I'm in alignment. House of the race. No? Running the race. Wow. We're going down some deep places. As Paul would talk about, we run the race to win in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what this is about. That's what the Holy Spirit had in my heart, and that's where I was going with it. <laughs> so we are in a series right now, Wise Up, uh, so that we can rise up. The complexity around our society is really challenging today. And uh, the, if, we are, if we don't have the right perspective in our world today, we can, be, we can get caught in the circumstances of the times and not caught up in the purpose that God has laid out for us. And so as we talked about through this series, week number one was all about what is wisdom, a clear understanding from a biblical perspective. If you were there that week, we talked about, man, you got to have that lens. Bam. You got to put those glasses of fear of the Lord in Proverbs 1, 7, as we got up here, Proverbs 1, 7 says, fear of the Lord is what? The start of, or the beginning of knowledge right here is the start of this. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but it, wisdom is starting in fear of the Lord. It starts right there. And as believers inside of here, we can't start with, you know what? The, the wisdom of this world, the knowledge that comes with this world, because it's going to have a worldview perspective on it that could be contrary than our fundamental beliefs. So as we live here today, we start with a Christian worldview, the lens, fear of the Lord. He is in control of all. He has a plan for all things. And with that, we start with that. And then we move into the knowledge of any sphere, any, uh, any, uh, any field. 
And then we move towards an understanding with inside of that. And when you come to that, you have wisdom that flows out of that. Now, here's the deal. Wisdom is revealed in its fruits. Just because somebody is knowledgeable doesn't mean they understand and can produce actual outcomes that are beneficial, right? You can have a really smart person that does not know how to do something, right? Anybody can know about a car, but not know how to drive a car, right? So we can, uh, you, you, you get some context there. So we live in a date and age today that requires us to live with a clear perspective and understanding that there's a lot of situations going on. We got to have fear of the Lord that starts this knowledge on life and living. And then we come to an understanding of how we should be living according to the fear of the Lord. And that leads towards a life of wisdom that honors God, not just man. Cool. Now, um, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis, and this really is where the start of it is. And we, I read this week number one. It says this, in God, you come up against something which is uh, in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So having that clear perspective, we are less than, and we look up towards God, right? He is all knowledgeable. He is infinite. We are finite. And uh, that curates that clear perspective. Now, week number two, we talked about how to go get that wisdom. You got to go after it, right? You got to seek this thing out. You got to find it. You got to uh, work hard at it. Last week, reward, come on somebody, Pastor, Pastor Reward was legit last week. Legit man, uh, he man blowing my mind. That's for that's for sure. Um, but talked about um, the wisdom uh, necessary to keep liberty uh, in a day and age here today. That man, our liberties are being taken away every single day. And he talked about being standing firm. Right? As we talked about as I talked about the last part of it. Jesus never drew a sword. He always drew a line. It's the power of knowing what the Bible says, so that you can have a line in the sand to say we will not, we cannot. We must not, um, according to our value system. So uh, we're going to jump in here today. Life and living part one. Life and living. You want to take notes? You can write that across the top of your paper. Life and living part one. So it means that there's going to be other parts to this. It could be 10 or it could be two. Who knows? Keep the suspense right there, right? Who knows? So life and living. We're going to jump in here today. How many guys have ever been in that moment uh, or had, had a defining moment in your life that marked the rest of your life? Like, like there's a moment in time in your life where something happened, something happened, something was said that all of a sudden now it lives in the memory of your life that really stands up in the moments of your life. You've been there before. Anybody ever been there? You, you had a, a situation where maybe uh, somebody that you admire uh, spoke something to you and you said, man, thank you so much. It's the moment like kind of where uh, aspiration and affirmation collide. You've been there aspiration and affirmation collide. We all have aspirations to do certain things as you're growing up. You got aspirations to be X, Y, and Z. And uh, I remember growing up and, and having aspirations to play football. And there was a, in my senior year, I moved to Cornerstone uh, High School. I talk about my glory days all the time because it's one way to relive it. You know, uh, it's a time with full of so much hope, you know, uh, 
But, you know, I, I had aspirations to play quarterback and move on to D1, and who knows? So I was moving to Cornerstone and playing quarterback. They gave me the scholarship. Well, there was a coach coming in from Evangel University, and uh, he was a college coach. And I remember just thinking, man, this guy's a college coach, and he's well-connected in this community. You know, man, I'm going to go play for this guy, and, man, hopefully I do a good job, and he sees something in me, and when he sees something in me, that'll open up opportunities for my future. And I remember, like, getting in and working hard and playing hard, and and, you know, one day he's like, you know what? You're a great quarterback. You got a great arm. And I remember like these aspirations that I had was met with, met with his aspirate or his affirmation. I was like, I'm going to be Tony Romo. Not Tony Romo. Troy Aikman, you know, more like in that line. Right. It, it gave me a little hope to say maybe it can be right. These moments that we have in our life, the defining moments that live in the mirror, I remember one time, like, uh, as I'm growing, obviously the football thing didn't work out after I tore my ACL and things went wrong with that, you know, and it was not God's will. His will was for you to be right here or whatever. That's fine, God. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I'm growing and learning as a young man and as a pastor, and I'm, 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 I'm you know, just progressing in what I'm doing. And, you know, there's people that I, I look up to that I respect. And I remember one time sitting down with a friend of mine and he said, you know what, man, you're a great preacher. I watch you online. I don't know why we were putting our youth services online at that moment in time. I literally think we had like four people viewing half of them weren't even from our country and two of them, who knows if they were students or not, but he would literally, he was probably one of, it was probably him, but he would, he would tune in every once in a while and he would watch me preach. And I remember, I didn't know this was happening, but we sat down just over coffee one time and uh, we were eating and he said, man, um, he said, man, you're a great preacher. And I remember thinking, man, thank you so much for that value. Thank you for speaking that into my life. It gave me so much confidence inside of my life. It was a defining moment to say, maybe, maybe I can preach, Right. A lot of what we do sometimes, we just go in the hope of what we can do and, and the best that we can do. And then sometimes that aspiration is met with affirmation and just propels us even more into what we're called to do. You know, there's moments in time in our life where maybe there is chaos. And in the middle of that chaos, we're met with conviction that really defines a moment. I've told you about the times where I saw hatred or, or maybe some isolation towards a group of people, towards an individual that was overweight. And really, it broke my heart. It was chaos and conviction was found in my life to say, that's not right. And justice rose up to say, I'm going to be somebody that fights against stuff like that. These defining moments that really shape the future of our lives. It flows out of us. What are these defining moments? Why are these, these de defining moments? What, what was it about the situation? What was it about the words that they spoke that really has transformed our lives here today? Life in living. Life and living, what we do on a daily basis, we're the sum total of these defining moments that have made up our lives. Maybe today we walk in hurt and we walk in pain simply because a defining moment was a destructive moment where somebody spoke something over us that man hurt us and wounded us. Somebody did something against us that really we exist today in pain. Living from that moment infuses our moments. When somebody says something, we think about that moment that person said something negative. Whenever we get into a situation, we think about that person that hurt us and wounded us. 
There's moments in life, they're defining moments. And I, I pray that, man, the God in which we serve and the life in which we live here today, that we do live in surrender, as we just talked about. And in surrender, there's so many defining moments by the Holy Spirit inside of our lives that they completely overtake every negative moment inside of our lives. And rather than living from chaos, we can live from a, a place of peace. We can live from a place of wholeness by the defining moments with our creator, right? I just think about inside of, if you look inside of the Bible, if you don't have the defining moments of David coming against lions and bears, not living in fear, but moving forward in faith, would he have the defining moments where he would be able to protect Israel against a giant? If you think about Moses, if he didn't have the defining moment of a burning bush where God spoke to him, would he have the ability in order to lead the children of Israel out of uh, uh, Egypt, out of slavery? If you don't have Paul that has his defining moment on the road to Damascus, is Paul leading the movement of Christianity in the first century? It's defining moments that shape our lives, that transform us, that, that move us, that take us into the future. Mother Teresa, at 70 years old, if she doesn't have the defining moment where she sees the poverty in Calcutta, does she spend the rest of her life fighting for those that are ostracized and the least inside of our society? Defining moments have so much power and they really have the ability to shape our perspective and shape our lives. So here's what the Bible would say. If you want to write number one, we got to guard our hearts to stay on the right path. If you look in Proverbs 4, we lean into this. It talks about a way of uh, wickedness, you know, the, the way of the wicked, but then it also talks about the way of the righteous. There, there's this parallel between the two that you can go one direction or you can go another. But to stay on one path, you've got to be very clear in, in, in guarding yourself against the ways of the wicked because it is so easy to fall. Proverbs 4, verse 20, I'm going to read through 27. It says this, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. This is giving instruction. Pay attention. Pay attention to the word. Pay attention to its instruction. He says, let them not escape your sight. Keep them with inside of your heart. Keep them within your heart. Keep these instructions. Keep them inside of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Come on. If you know wisdom, if you have instruction, you keep these in your heart. What is it? It's life. It is life to those who find them and healing to all of their flesh. Come on. As I just said, I hope through the power of God, moments with him, that you can find healing against all chaos that you've experienced in your life. Verse number 22 says, keep your heart with all vigilance. From, for from it flows the, uh, flow the springs of life. Put away your crooked speech and put devious talk uh, far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the paths of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The verse that I'll hone in here on is verse number 23. What is this verse saying? Keep your heart with all vigilance, right? Guard your heart above all else. In other versions, it says that. For from it flows the springs of your life. Guard your heart against anything else because out of that thing flows all the issues of you. You talk about life and living. Life and living, it's clear inside of here, come from the heart. Whatever stands up inside of your life is flowing from your heart. What is in you? Now, I picture it like this. You know, you, uh, back in the day, um, uh, Matumbo, back in the day, you know, he was the person that block all the time. 
You know, he didn't want anybody to score on the, uh, the, the Houston Rockets. You know, you had uh, David Robinson back in the day. These key blockers, right? They would block. They're, they're blocking against scoring against their team. You look at goalies inside of hockey. What are they doing, man? They're, they're blocking. They don't want anybody to score. Why? Because the outcome is if they score enough on that team, they're going to lose the game. And so I picture it like this. Guarding your heart is simply understanding what your values are, what, what the Bible says, and then standing firm in what truth is so that the enemy that is coming to sow wickedness doesn't score on your life, right? We're right now in a, in a, in a season of the, the Copa Cup and all that stuff. Anybody watch soccer inside here? No? Okay, cool. Uh, there you go. A few people are just like, yeah, I do, I do, I do. One of these days I'm going to like a legit European soccer game and or a South American soccer game because I want to do like, ole, 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 ole. I just want to do that. And then I'm good. I'm like, all right, okay, cool, I'm out, all right. But I picture it like the whole intent in, uh, as a goalie is to keep, keep out the scoring uh, against your team. And when this is the way I picture when you're guarding your heart, you're keeping out, right? Because if the enemy can so wickedness in your heart, if he can sow greed in you, you're clearly going to move in a direction where now you're going to harbor and you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to hold tight everything that you have and you're not going to release generosity out of your life, which is a biblical principle. If the enemy is able to sow shame into your life, you're going to live a life of insecurity. If he scores in shame, you're going to, he's going to win in insecurity in your life. You see what I mean? If you're not guarding against this stuff to protect against your heart, it's very easy now that you are going to move in the direction where now you are going to live out a life of wickedness. So he says in here, be vigilant. If the enemy is seeking who he may devour, he's vigilant in that. The same is true for us as believers. We must be vigilant inside of protecting our heart against all the madness that the enemy will want to sow into our hearts because out of it flows the issues of our life. Defining moments, situations, things, accusations, are they defining us or are they protected? Now, I can't sit and can't hang out in here. Not in my house, as someone would say, bam, not my house. No, 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 exactly. We had the commercials just coming on, right? I think about the commercials, right? That's where it all came in my head. I was like, yeah, the commercials they got. You know, David Robinson and Matumbo right now, they're, they're getting it. So with all diligence, you've got to protect against it. You do not want the enemy to score on your life. Here's the deal. If we pollute the wellspring, the infection is well, or the infection will spread. Before long, hidden appetites will become our open sin and public shame. Inside of this is the wellspring of our life as it talks about Proverbs. It's the wellspring of your life. If the well of your life uh, becomes polluted, then everything else outside of your life is going to be tainted. You got to guard against it. It's the wellspring of your life. It flows out of you. Now, here's a couple of different things that the Bible would instruct us in where we can uh, be careful around our heart. You're not going to see these scriptures pop up on the screen, so I'll say it a little bit slowly so you can go with me inside of here. It warns us to, to uh, guard against a double heart. A double heart. Psalms 12.2 says this. Psalms 12.2 says this. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. What is it? A flattery flowing out. Now, here's one of my, man, I, I'm a pet peeve for flattery. I'm just going to throw it out there. Now, this is something that, man, it's maybe a little hard to stay with. 
Flattery is saying things that you don't actually mean to gain favor with somebody that you were speaking them to. You don't really believe it. You're just saying it. You're hoping that they like you. You're hoping that they, they, you have find favor with them, but you really don't believe that they're pretty. Man, you look beautiful today. You're like, no, she doesn't. No, he doesn't, right? Or you look handsome. Let me say both of them the both ways, right? Flattery, right? I don't believe it, but I'm saying it so that I can find favor with you. I'm double-hearted. I'm saying something that I don't really mean. And as the Bible tells us, guard against that. Let your yeses be your yeses and your noes be your noes. Let what comes out of your mouth be truthful, right? If you think something... Right? Obviously, you don't want to be hurtful inside, like, girl, you look terrible today. Put your hair together, okay? <laughs> now, I put the kids together in the morning, and sometimes I think that when I'm sending them to school, I'm like, these teachers are going to think I'm just crazy, okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't brush their hair every single morning. Sometimes it's a little crazy. I'm trying to get out the door. I'm like, yeah, they're going to think I'm crazy today. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but flattery, right? I have, a, I have an ulterior motive in my heart, so I'm going to say something that I don't really mean. There's people out there that literally, they know enough that they can deceive you into believing that they are really for you, but they ain't really for you. Guard your heart against flattery. Truly believe what you believe. If you don't see beauty in a person, find beauty in the person so you can speak with the right heart, right? All of creation is beautiful. God has created them, right? So you can speak from the right heart, not to find favor, but to be a person that represents God in his heart. So guard your heart against, uh, guard your heart against double heart. The second thing I would say is this, guard your heart against a hard heart. A hard heart is Proverbs 28, 14. Proverbs 28, 14, it says this, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. Now, as we talked about, fear of the Lord is the start of wisdom, start of knowledge, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Now, here's a person. What is he saying? Guard your heart against a hard heart. A hard heart is there is no God. God is not for me. There is, you know, this is crazy talk. But fear of the Lord is, man, God is on his throne. He is in control. Man, I, I, he has all power. I'm insignificant. Man, he is, man, powerful. Man, he's moving on my behalf. You're moving in a faith-filled life. You don't have a hard heart that there is no God, and you've got to protect yourself against that craziness, right? When you get friends around you, individuals around you, crazy YouTube videos or whatever, they're saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to reason God out. There is no God. See, it's all circumstances. It's all, you know, uh, what's the crazy uh, talk out there today? Um, it's, um, uh, man, my mind is just blanking right now. It is, what's the C word? It is, I want to say it. Okay. Uh, sowing and reaping, essentially. They, they, they reason out all this stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, it's just karma. There you go. I had to get in the flow of it. It's just karma, right? If you sow bad, you receive bad. You just took a biblical philosophy and changed it for your secular ideas. That's crazy. You got to guard against these ideas that are biblical, that now have taken secular uh, forms and are really supporting secular ideas and say, no, 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 this is sowing and reaping. This is how this works. You can't allow crazy talk into this world. You know, um, you can't get around people that are like, you know what? I had this happen to me recently. An individual told me, hey, the Bible is errant. Man, it was created by man. It is fallible. There's, there's a description, you know, the, the, there's the, the discretion. The, what am I saying? Discrepancies. My brain is just not working today. Amen. I ain't preached in two weeks. I'm like, man, how, how do I do this again? 
There's discrepancies in there. He was saying there's discrepancies in there. It's created by man. And bro, I just threw down a right and I'm like, here's the deal, bro. You talking crazy right now. You lost your dang mind. You are talking about the, an infallible scripture that God said, I breathed it into existence. It was from the Holy Spirit by man, constructed for the benefit of man. It is good for reproof. It is good for instruction. It divides truth right down the middle. What are you talking about right now? I'm like, guard my heart. You crazy. You lost your dang mind. Matumbo, get that crap out of here right now. What are you talking about? It's not fallible. It is the best-selling book of all times. Right? Nothing any, even close to it in the world. Why? Because it is infallible. It is clear as day. It is brought together for the instruction of the body of Christ. So you got to guard yourself against a hard heart, a disbelieving heart. You got to stay faithful, faithful, Bible believing, you know, standing firm upon the truth of God's word. No madness, no ideas can come out there. You just stay out there. It's just, nah, nah, nah. I'm a good goalie against the chaos inside of this world. Right? Amen. Another thing is a proud heart. Guard against a proud heart. Proverbs 21.4 says, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the, uh, the wicked are sin. A proud heart. I'm better than. Humility is I'm less than. I'm here to serve. I'm here to, you know, I don't know it all. I'm just here to learn and grow and be a, be a, a massive help to the world and building the kingdom. A proud heart says, I know better than everybody else. I don't have to give my time to anybody else. I got a proud heart. I'm better than. Guard yourself against a proud heart. Stay humble. Stay hungry, as we say around here all the time. Uh, another thing is an unbelieving heart. Ver Hebrews 3.12 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Don't surround yourself, as I just talked about just a second ago, with an unbelieving mentality. Stay faithful. A cold heart, Matthew 24, 12 says this, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Say it one more time. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. He's talking about the end times. We can't be individuals as lawlessness. We're living in a very lawlessness society, right? The whole madness around whatever. We're not even going to go down there. But there's madness in our world here today that is trying to remove lawlessness. Police officers in our society keep law. And when you keep the law, you keep order, right? You can walk outside of your house in peace because you know that everybody respects the law. If I fall short, if I fail, if I break the law, then there's consequences. And if there's consequences, I don't want to face those consequences. I don't make the dumb choice, right? As simple as that. But the ignorance in our society today is, well, blah, 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 lack of lawlessness in our society. And here we live in a world here today where there's coldness in everybody's heart. Now there's division. Well, I don't care about this person. They believe this or they believe that. The Bible says, keep your heart against that. Right? Jesus loves all people. He came to save all people. If we have our heart in alignment with his heart, we love and we move in the direction of all people. It doesn't matter skin color. doesn't matter whatever. doesn't matter anything. What matters is they're a human creation that we should move in love towards them. Now, here's the deal. We don't fall victim to their ideas, right? We guard our heart against crazy ideas, but we love the individual. We love them for who they are. We try to help them where they are at. 
but we move in the direction uh, where we don't have a cold heart. We have a loving and caring heart. Uh, and the last thing is this, an unclean heart. Psalms 51.10 says this, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew, renew a right spirit with inside of me. It should be a prayer of ours today to say, God created me a clean heart, a pure heart, a, a, a heart that sees the way you see. I'm a man of unclean lips. As Isaiah found himself in a place where he saw God, he realized his fallibility. And the angel of the Lord put a coal on his lips. And he says, who am I of unclean lips? And he was purified in that moment. He realized that he was in, you know, a person of fallibility. He was a person of sin, but through the cleansing of fire, you know, that was a, a precursor to Jesus coming and cleansing us in the Holy Spirit. We ourselves should say, God, clean us, clean our hearts, renew our spirits, put us in the right mind. So the first thing is guard our hearts for out of it flows our lives that will stay on the path of righteousness. Number two, guard your head to think before you speak. Guard your head to think before you speak. One of the values in, in a, uh, core values inside of our church is listen. We're listeners. Why? We want to be slow to speak and quick to listen. We live in a world today that is quick to speak, slow to listen. You ever been talking to somebody before and you're like, did you hear a word that I said? Did you hear one word that I said? Right? We live in a world today that everybody wants to give their opinion. Everybody's got a platform. You know, they just throw whatever ideas out there. There's not much thought behind it, right? Because there's not a lot of experience. Majority of people that are on there don't have much else to do anyways, right? So they're not working. They're probably not working hard and doing what God has called them to do. So they're on there just opinions and ideas, judging everybody else. And Proverbs talks a lot about that. Matthew 12, verse 33 through 37 says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. We talked about guard your heart. Whatever is in you comes out of you. You've got to guard that heart. Whatever is in you is going to flow out of you. It determines what you say. So guarding your heart protects the mind that processes and the mouth that articulates that processing. Verse 35, a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for what? Every idle word you speak. Every idle word that you speak, the words you say will either acquit you or what? Condemn you. Whoa. I'll tell you right now, if you have a fear of the Lord and you have a respect for Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, your Messiah, and then he says this right here, he speaks this into existence, it's going to change the way you process. It's going to change the, the decision making around how you articulate yourself. You will be slow to speak and very quick to listen for sure. You're not just going to be flippant with your words, throwing it out there. I got some ideas. I got some opinions. Well, how does those ideas and opinions line up with God's word? That is what you are speaking is Ephesians 4.29, that everything you say is a benefit to others. It's a gift to others. You understand the power that is in your words. Proverbs 10, verse number 19 through 21 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Amen. That's speaking to somebody today. And if it ain't speaking to you, let me just speak to you. Keep your dang mouth shut, okay? Time to quiet up. 
Time to stop speaking so much. Time to start thinking before you actually try to articulate something. Time to maybe pray through something before you say something, right? Slow, slow down, right? You ain't got to say it all right now. Now, this is probably one of the hardest things I got to deal with right here. I'm preaching myself right now. I've been telling people lately, said, man, man, it's really hard to sometimes see things. And we'll talk about it in the weight of responsibility of wisdom uh, in the last week of this. The weight of responsibility that comes with wisdom is you don't have to say everything all at one time. Words are beneficial in the right season. And sometimes as a pastor, I just want to shake people to say, don't you see what's happening to our society today? Don't you see the madness that is tearing down the institutions that we live in here today? Don't you see the heart behind these individuals that are wicked and evil? They don't love the Lord. They love this world and the God of this world. Don't you see it? I want to just shake people, but I can't. So I just pray aggressively on them. (laughs) The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Is this speaking to your words, the power of your words, what's processed inside of your mind, slowing down, right? You get caught up in a lot of sin when you just talk too much. There's a lot of people inside of our world that, man, they just talk and 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 talk. Thinking, man, are you thinking about anything you're saying? You know, our words have so much power. The Bible would tell us in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of our tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The Bible would tell us in Ephesians 4, 29, as I mentioned again a minute ago, let no corrupt, uh, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that, is, that it may give grace to those who hear It says in Proverbs 12, 18, there is one who, whose rash words are like swords thrust, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. And there's a clear difference, man. There's power in our words. A soft answer turns away in Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Wow. I'll tell you right now, I know one word that I can say to my wife and all is going to break loose. That's for dang sure. This is the power of being wise, slowing to speak, not allowing anger to control us and vomiting, word vomiting out of our mouth because we can turn away wrath very easily. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There's power inside of our words. If we could slow down and say, God, give me the right mind to process properly. Give me the right words to speak in the right occasion. Man, we could deal with less problems inside of our lives. We can have less frustration, less anger, less heartache inside of our lives just because we're slowing down. You ever been in that moment where you're like, something happened, you're like, I shouldn't say this, and then you said it. And you dealt with, you dealt with a week of pain, like a whole week of pain. And then you had to come and say, I'm so sorry, forgive me. Come in humility, had to lay your pride down. Or maybe you're a prideful person. You're like, I should have said it, but I'm prideful. And today you are still living in the infraction of a word that you said 10 years ago. Isn't that crazy? 
You still have a broken relationship because you didn't close your mouth in one circumstance. Man, you know, I just had a situation recently where I didn't shut my mouth and I gave my opinion. Heather didn't like it. She didn't like it. So we had a week of just, oh, I was like, oh, this is funky. I don't like funk because I'm a pastor. And I don't like funk in my junk because funk just messes up my flow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh. And I just live in it. And I'm like, man, I know the Holy Spirit every day is like, you're a pastor. You're a shepherd. You're supposed to be leading by example. <laughs> so I get my butt kicked. And then I got to go humbly to Heather. Forgive me, woman of my life, right? <laughs> Come on, men in the house, you understand. This is the worst thing in the world right here. No man in here likes to go to their wife and be like, I'm so sorry for what I said. Forgive me, right? No man likes to do that, right? It's like we ripped our man card away. It's like, ah, respect me, woman. Ah. But unfortunately... Here's a couple of different areas that we got to be careful in when it comes to the power of our words. One is self-talk, the words that we speak over our own life. Today, some of us are living in depression because the talk of our life is demeaning towards ourself. We're believing the lies of the enemy that have been told to us over our lives. And today we are walking in the shame, in the pain, in the insecurity of our life because the words that we're speaking over us are in alignment with the evil one and not in alignment with the words that are from our creator. The words over our lives. We, there's power in our words. The moment you say, you're so stupid, you're so dumb, you can't figure this thing out. Those are the words that you say to yourself when you're a kid. When you're a child, this is what you say over yourself. You can't figure out how to get the square inside of the square. And you throw it down, you're like, you're so stupid, right? These are the things that you say in immaturity, Right? I love this thought that my, my, my mentor gave me, that every single one of us, emotional health is when we're able to get ourselves on the mature adult level of the elevator of our life. Because we start in the immature place as a child, and we're frustrated when we can't get things worked out, and we're frustrated when we can't figure it out, and when we can't, we get to issues in our life that we're just frustrated by, we sit there and say, see, you just can't get it figured out, see, you're just, you're just stupid, you're just dumb, and if you can't move beyond that place to say, you know what, you're an adult now, you can figure this thing out, you just got to seek different wisdom, you got to seek different understanding, you got different, different counsel around you, if you can't get yourself out of the adolescent stage, you always live in the adolescent stage, feeling like you can't figure anything out, you're a complete failure, then he goes on to say, well, but if you got to get to a place where may, maybe you are in your teenage year, you're just a person that's all emotion, oh, feelings, oh, oh, hatred. Oh, I just want to say it and do it. Oh, it's all emotions inside of your life. You can't control yourself. When you get into a situation, you get angry. You're like, I'm going to punch a wall. And I just, you know, all that stuff, right? Punching people, frustrated. You're mad. Your, your words are just flipping. F this, F that. Blah, 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 blah. You have no control over your life. You're just an you're just a teenager, an immature teenager. But if you can become an adult to say, I'm, I'm on this elevator right now, I can't figure this thing out, but I'm going up to the top floor of adulthood to say, I am wise, I'm mature, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm better than this situation, I'm elevating myself, my emotions are lying to me right now, I have a wise counsel, I know what the word of God says, I know where I'm at, I'm a mature adult now, now to speak inside of my life, I'm speaking words of truth over my life, not words of chaos, right? You're a mature adult, you're on the elevator raising yourself up to adulthood. 
It's something we got to be careful with inside of our life. There's power in our words. Today, if your self-speak is not in alignment with the truth of God's word, more than likely you are walking in fear. You are walking in insecurity. You are walking less than God has designed for you. You more than likely aren't accomplishing what God has laid out for you, not to the, the, the impact that he has designed. And today you are living less than. But we serve a God of more, the exceedingly and the abundant. If we can get in alignment with his words, we can elevate ourselves up to accomplishment. The second thing is the words that um, we have in authority. We got words over ourselves, but then we have words of authority. If we stand in places of authority, places we stand in authority would be if we're a leader over something. Places we stand in authority is if we're parents, Right? Places we stand in authority for a coach, we're a boss, we're a manager. These are places of authority. Now we have the ability that our words correct, our words instruct, our words encourage, our words empower. Now, if you are in any of those positions here today and you are unwise, more than likely you could have words flowing out of you that are destroying people, not building them up. There's not Ephesians 4, 29 words. Right? If you're a leader inside of here over anything, you should be wise, right? But as we talked about in here, Jesus definitely gave grace, but then he definitely gave truth. If you're a leader inside of here, we don't want to live in flattery because it'll lead towards destruction inside of the company. Somebody will think they're accomplishing what they're supposed to accomplish, but utterly failing at some point in time, it's going to catch up to them and the company. So you can't live in flattery. You're great. You're awesome. They're not though. They got a bad attitude. So in grace, you say, hey, man, I, man, I love you, man. I, I, I appreciate your value. You're extremely talented. But here's the deal. You're walking in with a bad attitude. And that bad attitude is affecting the team. Now, how can we correct this? Grace, truth. If you're a leader, you want to instruct. You want to give some direction in somebody's life, not let somebody just go off the deep end, right? If you're a parent inside of here, you've got a grace and truth. The words have power over your kids. I mean, every single person in here can hear the voice of their father and their mother in them. There is a resounding theme and anthem over the voice of those individuals in your life that are either good or they are negative. You have a memory that's lasting, a defining moment that has shaped their complete leading in your life. That today you can hear a mom that is saying, you got this, you can do anything. You want to be an astronaut, you can fly to the moon. You're like, I can do anything. You can have a voice of a father that's saying the same thing. You want to do it, you can accomplish it, go for those dreams. Or you could have a voice of a father that was never there. You could have a voice of a father that told you you're never going to amount to anything. You could have a voice of a mother that was always just nitpicking at you. Nothing you did was ever good enough, right? There's a theme to it, but if you're a parent inside of here, managing this, lacing Letting power fly through your words over your children. Letting them know that they can do all things, right? Speaking to the hope of what can be. Correcting when they're off course on righteousness, when they're out of alignment with the attitude uh, and the behaviors that God has laid out for us. If you're a boss, manager, anything, all those areas, man, using your words to speak life. Words to those that uh, you have relationship with, your friends, your family, coworkers. You can use your words to encourage and build up. Here's a key theme inside of here. People don't know how much you care until they know, or until they, they know how much you care. Or people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's a key statement when it comes to any type of relationship. If you're going to have influence, it's got to start in care. If people know that you care for them, they'll listen to what you have to say. 
And so when it comes into relationships in your life that you don't have authority over, the, the primary source of the relationship and the influence you have to speak starts in your care over that relationship. But you want to be able to build up and encourage people around you. The last thing is this, the words you have to those that you have no influence with. These are your ordinary, everyday interactions. Are your words kind to people? Are your words encouraging to people? Are you noticing people inside of your life? First thing, guard your heart. The second thing, guard your mind so that you'll guard your tongue. You'll be careful with the words that you speak. This is wisdom. This is life. This is living. This is where it starts. The last thing, guard your hands so that you may work hard. Goes heart, mind process, words to your hands. Proverbs would tell us in Proverbs 6, verse number 6, I'm going to read uh, 6 through 11. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. The first thing that Solomon says inside of here is, if you want to take a lesson on hard work and self-motivation, go look at some ants. Isn't that awesome, right? Jesus would talk about, hey, don't worry. And what does he say? If the fields, the flowers of the field don't worry, if the birds of the air don't worry, flowers are clothed by God, the birds are fed by God, why worry? He used these objects to bring awareness to us. Solomon would say, hey, here's the deal. Put motivation inside of your life to work hard every single day. What does he say? These ants, they don't have a prince or a governor. They don't have anybody to just tell them, hey, work hard. That's awesome. You can leave it there. You're good. I don't need any water. I'm already full of the Holy Spirit. I'm good. <laughs> Amen. What is he saying? You, you, you want, you got to get a principle, a motivation in your life where you are determined every single day. You don't have to have anybody tell you to get your butt out of bed. You don't have to have anybody tell you work hard. It's already a motivation that's on the inside of you. As, Jesus, you know, as the, the New Testament would speak, Jesus did not say this, but as the New Testament would speak, Paul writing, hey, work hard for your masters, labor for them well as unto the Lord. It's the motivation in your life, work hard. You don't need anybody to tell you to work hard. Do it right. Do things for the right reason. It's right here. Look at the ants. Go look at them. If you ever find yourself looking at an ant pile, pulling, pouring hot water on them or whatever, pest control stuff on them, take a minute, kick it, stir it up, let them run around before you kill them all and say, man, God has called me to be diligent just like these guys. They are pests in Jesus' name. But they don't have a governor or a prince. They have motivation. And I'll tell you today, if we're going to be in this generation, individuals that have respect in a godless post-Christian nation, people got to see what values we have so they can respect who we are before they care about what we know. And if we're just lazy, this says lazy bones. What respect do you get? I don't respect lazy people. Somebody has no motivation, right? Don't respect it. Verse number nine says, but you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep? 
a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will uh, pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. What is he saying in here? Now we just see this as lazy, you're just being lazy. A little more sleep, a little more sleep. The intention though, yeah, there is people that are just lazy, they wanna sleep all the time, but the main premise of what he's speaking inside of here is, don't be a person that runs from life. Life has challenges, life has issues, life has struggles, life has pain, life is full of relationships. People are hurtful, people have issues. You're gonna deal with them. But don't be a person that says, I'm just gonna go sleep, I'm just gonna go be lazy, I'm just gonna waste away my life because I don't wanna face life. No, he's saying, get your butt out of bed, be diligent, get hard at work, face all of life's issues. Don't be this depressed, lazy bum, sitting around like, oh, I don't have it together, I'm never gonna amount to anything, God isn't for me. Face life. Go and live life. Face the challenges, face the struggles, face the pain, face the loss, face the gains, face the joy, face all of it. But don't find yourself laying around in bed, living a worthless life. Wake up, live life. Jesus, John 10, 10, I've come to give life and life abundantly. He didn't say it was all gonna work out the way we wanted to, but he says, I'll be with you through the journey. And if we trust God, we fear the Lord that he is in control, we will wake up every single day to accomplish his will. Here's the deal. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. Jesus would speak this in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He was walking around saying, this is good news about the kingdom. What is the good news about the kingdom? That we live in a broken society, that God has brought a redemption, a redemptive work to. His name is Jesus Christ. We don't have to live hopeless. We can live hopeful because of the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus went around talking about this. He said, it says, this and he healed every kind of disease and illness guess what the same power that raised christ from the dead is the same power that lives on the inside of us we can speak to things that are not as though they were and they can change by the power of jesus christ we can pray over people in the name of jesus not by our power but by his power and they shall recover in jesus name when he saw the crowds that said this he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. What is the deal? We got a massive society in a post-Christian, post-church nation. There is a lost and dying generation. Is Are we gonna wise up and rise up in our generation to say, we got compassion on broken people. Yes, they may hate us. Yes, they may not like the gospel that we preach. But at the end of the day, we're gonna move in grace towards people that are broken and love towards people that desperately need a savior. And we're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna tell people about the truth. We're not gonna be lazy bums saying, oh, I'm not gonna step into the world. If some Somebody says, I want to bring harm to you because you're a Christian. You wake up, at the, you wake back up the next day and say, all good in the hood. My God is my creator. He is my provider and he is my protector. I'm going to go in the name of Jesus Christ, regardless of the issues that I'm facing, because my conviction is the only way this chaos gets worked out is if Jesus is on the throne of everybody's heart. And he's not going to be on the throne of anybody's heart if we ain't moving in the direction of making him known in our generation, right? There's a time where he's coming where he's going to sit on his throne and every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that what? Jesus is Lord. But until that moment in time, we confess it. 
we live a life in honor and respect of it, right? So we got to get our hearts protected. We got to get our minds right that our language represents it. And with that, we got to get our hands. We got to protect these hands and make sure they're moving in the direction of working hard for the kingdom. We're not lazy about this. We're moving forward in this. So if you want to stand up to your feet here today, I want to ask this question. Do you know the gospel? Do you know that Jesus Christ is Lord? Have, have you guarded your heart against crazy ideas out there that this is all just meaningless? This is just a life being lived. You got air in your lungs. You go to work. You get your paycheck. You get married. You have kids. You have the white picket fence. You got the nice car. And that's life. You get old. You get gray. You start wearing down. You take your last breath and then you die. Or do you believe that this was, this was, that's, that's all that this is? Or if you come to that place of realization in your, you know, your, those crazy thoughts on, you know what? I'm going to live La Vida Loca for now. You, you remove yourself from that crazy adolescent thinking. You're saying, I don't want to live carelessly anymore. I want to live on point. I want to guard my heart to stay in the, heart, the, the way of righteousness. If that's you and you're like, man, I'm here. I want to push away from all this wickedness or the crazy talk or you know, uh, the ideas that are contrary to God's word. And you want to find yourself in a place where you are in alignment with God's will. You're on point with his calling and destiny in your life. You want to come to this place of surrender as we talked about. Say, you know what? I don't want to try to figure this out anymore myself. I just want to walk in the wisdom of God that I can be in the kingdom of God that I can accomplish his will for my life. Here's the deal. We are all falling short of the glory of God, every single one of us. We all have gone our own way. The only way we get back on the right path in God's sight is when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you're at the end of yourself and you're saying, you know what, maybe I have believed crazy ideas. You can lay down crazy ideas today and pick up the gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is eternal life. If this is you today with every head wide up and every eye open in here, as we talked about, if you can't make this decision before others, more than likely you're not gonna be able to live this thing out there. This is the pride of our life, the new birth that we get in Christ Jesus. We have one birthday when we come from our mothers. We got a second birthday when we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus though. It's not in the philosophers. It's not in the Greek gods. It's in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So if you're here today and you're saying, I want to I wanna rise up in the wisdom of God, in the knowledge of God, in the plan of God, salvation through Jesus Christ, laying down my sin, Raise your hand today. Say, Pastor, that's me today. Amen, amen, amen. Now, here's the deal. Let's all just say a prayer together. If you've never said this prayer before, this is the sinner's prayer. You're coming to the end of yourself. You are asking for forgiveness where you've missed the mark. Probably one of the hardest things to do for a prideful person. What have I done wrong? I've done nothing wrong. But the wages of sin, the Bible says in Romans, is death. The wages of missing the mark of righteousness is death. Not according to man's ideas, according to God's ideas. Eternal separation from God. But, a, but salvation is a free gift from God that gives eternal hope. So if you raise your hand, you've never said this prayer before, the sinner's prayer, and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, your leader, and your Savior, the price being paid for your sin, 
rescuing you to heaven. Right now, you say this prayer. The Bible says you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You shall be saved. The end of self, the start of God through Jesus Christ. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, we thank you for your life and your living. We ask for forgiveness where our life and our choices have been out of alignment with your righteousness. Forgive us. Wash us as white as snow right now. Make us a new creation right now in Christ Jesus. Father, we believe that Jesus, you are the Son of God. And by your salvation, we receive eternal life. Today, we will follow you every day of our life. When the going gets tough, we're going to get going with the Holy Spirit in our lives to face all of the chaos. It's in your name we pray, Jesus, and everybody says amen and amen and amen. amen.